Lord, as we present the tithes and offering to you, Lord, we present our bodies as living, living sacrifice. So, Lord, speak to us through your word. Speak to us in a way that you have never spoken before. With clarity, with reverence, as we come and bow before you. Lord, help us to remember who you are. You are King. You are Lord of all. So, Lord, we thank you as we come, as we prepare our hearts to hear from heaven, to hear your word. Let it challenge us. Let it change us and let it transform us today. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Good morning, everyone. Good morning. When you get to the age where you need glasses to read, even your computer, you know you're getting there, right? <laughs> oh, Lord, I didn't know that this day would come. This morning, the message, the topic of my message is what if Jesus did not come or what if Jesus did not die? This morning, the main scripture that we'll be using is John 1. But before we turn to John 1, we just want to give God thanks for who he is. For what he has done this morning. The, the, the scripture that was read this morning from Anne spoke about the Hosanna. The people said, Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. And so this morning we are mindful that it is Palm Sunday and we come saying to you, Lord, this morning, Hosanna in the highest to you, God. Lord, you always come in the name of the Lord because you are God. And so we raise our hearts and our hands and our voices and whatever we have that can praise you. And we praise you this morning and we say, Hosanna in the highest. Lord, you have been a good, a great God. You have been faithful. You have been trustworthy. And even this morning, Lord, even though when I heard the news of my sister's passing, Lord, last night, Lord, I felt it because I spoke to her and I met with her. And we spoke and Lord, she was so hopeful about you restoring her body. But Lord, we can rejoice today that even though she's absent in, from the body, she's present with you. Amen. And so we say, Hosanna to the one who prepares not only for our present but for our future. Hosanna to the one who went ahead to make and prepare a way for us to come. Hosanna to the one who said, I am going to the Father. And I will prepare a way for you to come. And so Lord, we are mindful that each of us this morning, that you are preparing for us rooms, mansions, God, for us to come and dwell with you. But Lord, we are also mindful that the preparation is only made for those who have yet to say yes to you, Lord. Lord, we pray that every single day of our lives, we will surrender everything. Surrender our lives, surrender our thoughts, surrender our desires and our plans, and withhold nothing. 
Because when I think about my friend this morning, Lord, and when we spoke, she was ready. She said, I know God. I know God. She said, I knew you. She knew you, God. And she spoke about the scripture that she had been reading to uplift her spirit. And yes, everything was breaking down in her body. Having a conversation was difficult. She was unable to eat because she was constantly full. But this morning, Lord, we know that you have a feast prepared before her. We know that the angels are rejoicing because another one has come home, physically come home to you, God, where she's now with you in heaven. And so, Lord, I just pray this morning also for her family, her mother, Lord, we will mourn the loss of our daughter. But Lord, I pray that you will comfort her this morning. I pray, Lord, that yes, God, she represents, she's also a part of us. She's a part of us in so many ways. She was the first person who signed her document to be a part of New Life. She was the first person, the first director that signed. And Lord, we thank you for her life. We thank you for the part she played. We thank you for the encouragement that she was. We thank you, Father God, that this is a woman that you will never go around her in the midst of all that she was going through. I've never seen her sad. I've never heard her complaining. She was always hopeful because she believed that you can do it. And we know you can do it. We know you can meet the needs of those around us. We know you can meet our needs, God. And though that you have failed to meet that, we have asked you because you have a better plan. And we are believing you for the better plan in all situations, God. And so, Father, I pray that today, Lord, those who are listening to my voice will surrender all to you, Lord, withholding nothing. Being mindful, Lord, today that we can be present today here on earth and the next second of our lives, you require it from us. And so, Father, may we just be at that place where we live. Live recognizing that it is about you. It's not about all the things that we do and the, business, the busy things that we want to do. It's about you and our relationship with you. It's far more important than everything else. This morning, Lord, we sing the song, bye-bye. Bye-bye to our pain. Bye-bye to our sorrows. Bye-bye. But all those, God, can only happen when our perspective changes. And so, Lord, we just give you thanks this morning that you are here and that you will speak through me, Lord. Speak so that we can listen. Speak, God, as Kurt mentioned this morning, with clarity, God, so that we can hear your thoughts. And we give you thanks in Jesus' name. Amen. As I shared this morning, the, the topic of what I want to share with you is what if Jesus did not come? Or what if Jesus did not die? And just to answer that question, I literally shuddered when I thought of it. I said, God, what would my life be like I can't, even, I can't even fathom. Because I always knew that if Jesus never had to die for anybody else, he had to die for me. 
I knew that I was sinful. I knew that I had done things that others may not have done. And so I needed Jesus to come and I needed him to die. As believers, the debt, debt that Jesus paid with his life gives you and I freedom this morning. And so this morning as we worship, we were able to dance, we were able to sing. And we sang from the hope that we had. We sang recognizing that it's not because of what we have done, but it's because of what Jesus did for us. And so when we think about what would our lives be or what would the world be like if Jesus did not come and if Jesus did not die, it leads us to first respond by recognizing who is Jesus? What did he do? And in, in, in doing what he did, what was accomplished for us? So the question I ask this morning and I want you to ponder, who is Jesus? To better understand who Jesus is, we must first look at the claims he made about himself and the claims that those around him made about him. So what claims did Jesus make about himself? The claims Jesus made about himself revealed his identity. And it gave or gave an insight into the reason the Jews hated him and wanted to kill him. This morning we're going to be looking at a lot of scriptures, so grab your Bible. This morning you're not listening to me, it is participatory this morning. So in John 5 verse 17, Jesus claimed that he is God the Father. Jesus claimed that God is his Father. I'm sorry. He said, my father is always at work. And I too am working. In claiming that the father, God the father is his father, Jesus was declaring that I am equal with the father. In John 8, 58, he claimed that I am he said, I tell you the truth, Jesus answered. Before Abraham was born, I am. And if you remember in Exodus 3 verse 14, when God was sending Moses to the Israelites to take them out of, the, out of captivity, from Egypt captivity, and Moses said, so who should I say? He said, tell them that I am, that I am sent you. And this morning, God is saying, Jesus is saying, to us. I am. I am the ultimate statement of self-sufficiency, self-existence, and immediate presence. God's existence is not contingent upon anyone else. Not like you and I who are dependent upon others or we are in need of God. God operates on his own. God does not need you and he does not need me. He promises that he will be what he will be. He promises that he is what you need and he will always be. So God is, the, it is he, he, the I am says I am. I am today, I was, and I will be. God stands ever present and unchangeable. 
completely sufficient in himself to do what he wills to do and to accomplish what he wills to accomplish. So there's nothing that can stop God. So when I think about my friend dying yesterday afternoon, getting the call so we need to start praying because she was rushed in the ICU, and then getting the next call so that she never made it. I recognize that the I am could have changed her position. I could have heard that she was healed. I could have heard that she went in and she came out like she did before many times. I could have heard that similar to how the situation that she had years ago that came back. That it could have been gone and she could have been totally healed. But God is saying, I am the I am. I will do what I want to do to accomplish what I want to accomplish. And by saying that I am, Jesus is saying, similar to Revelation 1.8, I am the Alpha and the Omega. In Mark 14, 61 to 62, Jesus says, I am the Messiah. He said, I am the Messiah, the Son of the Blessed One, and the Son of the Man sitting at the right, Son of Man sitting at the right hand of the Almighty One and coming on the clouds of heaven. Jesus is saying, in essence, I am Christ. I am the Savior. I am the Anointed One. I am the only one who is able to judge the world. I am the only one who qualifies to come. In John 10, 30, 33, he says, he claimed that he and the Father are one. Jesus was proclaiming oneness with the Father. He said, when you see me, you see the Father. So many times people say, I cannot see God or, or I've never seen God. Jesus said, but if you see me, you see the Father because we are one. In John 8, 12, he, he claimed to be the light of the world. And he said, whoever follows him will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. In John 10, verse 11, he claimed to be the good shepherd that lays down his life for the sheep. And he contrasted with the shepherd in Zechariah that is only looking after his own will. He said, I am the good shepherd. I am the gate. I know my sheep and my sheep knows my voice. In John 14, 6, he claimed to be the way. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one come to the Father except through me. So no one can come through Buddha. No one can come through Krishna. No one can come through any other common G God. Because Jesus is the only way to the Father. In John 16, 24, he claimed that if you ask for anything in his name, you will receive it. And your joy will complete. In Matthew 28, he claimed that he will be with his disciples always. He said, I will be with you always to the very end of the age. In Mark 2.10, he claimed to be the son of man who forgives sin. As a son of man, Jesus is declaring that he can identify with your deepest needs and your suffering. Because as the son of man, he is totally human. And he feels the way you feel. He was touched with your infirmities. 
In John 15 verse 1 he said, I am the true vine. And in being the true vine, believers are the branches. And he said, for you to bear good fruits, you must be connected to the vine. In John 11, 25, he claimed to be the resurrection and the life. He says, he who believes in me will live. So even though my sister physically died yesterday, spiritually she's alive because she knows God. Spiritually she's alive because she believes that Jesus is the Savior. And even though her physical body dies, yes, I have hope that I will see my sister again. There are some claims that Jesus made. There are far more than I can ever um, capture in a day to share what Jesus claimed about himself. But we are also mindful that not only did Jesus claim these things, and that he claimed, he said, I can support my claim. They said, I do not need any man. I do not need John's testimony. Because he said, the Father testifies about who I am. And I testify that what he says. But we also recognize that there are others around. There were people who met Jesus. Who had their say about him. Many believed different things about him. And as we looked at what they said we'll also have an idea of what he accomplished. The scripture this morning that Anne read, as I mentioned before, said that as Jesus rode into, into, in, into Bethany, going up to the Mount of Olives, the people began to spread their clothes and they began to wave the palm branches. But the onlookers who did not know him said, Who is this? The crowd answered, This is Jesus the prophet from Nazareth in Galilee. And what I realized that there were some who could answer, and some didn't know. Who is this? they asked. Who is this that this fanfare, this man coming in on a, on a court, and people are spreading their cloaks before him? Who is this? They ask that even the wind obey. Who is this? In the Gospel of Matthew, Jesus is presented as the promised King and Messiah. In the Gospel of Mark, he is the servant of God. In the Gospel of Luke, he is the Son of Man. And in the Gospel of John, he is the Word made flesh, the Son of God. All these titles are significant to the original readers and should be to us as well, whether we are Jews, Gentiles, or Christians. This morning I want you to open your scripture to John 1. And we're going to be looking at John 1 and we're going to be seeing what John is saying and all the different titles that just, just one chapter we're going to be using and we're going to see how John, how John saw Jesus, how he wrote about the Jesus that he met, what he saw, the qualities, the, the attributes, the characters, characteristics of Jesus, and how those characteristics are important for us today. 
So in John 1, verse 1, John says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. So in verse 1, we, we recognize that John gave Jesus the title of the Word. In the beginning was the Word. And the Word was God. So who is this, you may ask? John would say, Jesus is the Word. Where some said he is a prophet, we recognize in Matthew 21, John says he is the Word. He is the Word that was with God. He is God. And he was with God in the beginning. So we see John's, um, John's impression of God is different, right? It's different from those who did not know him intimately. It's different from those who are just onlookers. In verse 1 again we saw John says, The, the word was with God. The word was God. So right there and then you recognize John is saying, not only is Jesus the Word, but Jesus is God. Also, if you move down to verse 18, you will see where, where, where John says, No one has ever seen God, but God, the only, the one and only, who is at the Father's side, has made him known. All the attributes of the Father are also the attributes of the Son. And so to see Jesus is to see God the Father. Let us move down to verse 9. In verse 9, he said, The true light that gives light to every man was coming into the world. And John identified Jesus as the true light. Jesus became man to bring light to everyone. He is the source of life. He is the source of our physical life, of our intellectual life, of our eternal life, and our moral life. No matter how deep the darkness is, it cannot overcome the light of God that is in Jesus. I thought the other day I was having a conversation with some couples and in different settings, three different couples at different times, I the husbands were saved. And I noted that even though the men were older men, one was as old as 79, I recognized that he was youthful. And I'm one, I was saying, he's youthful, yes, 79, but he's so youthful. I also had a conversation with another gentleman who was about 75, but he did not have a relationship with God. And he was older. And I realized, I said, oh my God. So the youthfulness that I saw in the other men were as a result of their relationship with God. So they spoke things and the conversation, they had conversations about God. They spoke and God was in the midst of everything they were doing. And I said, what how refreshing it is. So it's not about the age, it's not about your number, how long you have lived in this physical body. It's about your spiritual man. Because as you get older in the physical body, 
your spirit man gets younger because you grow in Christ and you become more alike Christ. You become more mature. And I'm saying, wow. Yet the physical man who does not know Christ is aging in his body and his spirit is dying. That, when I, that realization blew my mind. Because if you do not have the light of Christ that comes in to bring light to everyone, those living in darkness are blind. They cannot see the difference between today and tomorrow. They are just groping in the dark, hoping and wishing and desiring the very thing that we are given, the eternal life. Because the true light of Christ, he says, the light shines in the darkness. But the darkness has not understood it. And because he is the light, in him was life. And that life was the light of men. In verses, verse 17, Jesus is seen by John as the Christ. Jesus is the one from whom grace and truth came. It says, for the law was given through Moses. Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. No matter how deep the darkness is, when Jesus comes, he brings grace and he brings truth. It is through Jesus that God pours out his grace, the undeserved favor on his people. And when I, when, I, when I stopped and think about the grace that we get, the undeserved grace, and some persons would say the acronym means God's riches at Christ's expense. When you stop and you think about the things you have done, the thoughts you have thought, and the lies you have believed, you say, thank God. Thank you, Lord, for coming. Thank you for being the truth. Thank you, Father, because the light of Jesus exposes the truth. And where I was living in the darkness and believing the lie, Jesus comes and he allows us to see the truth. In verse 29, Jesus is seen as the Lamb of God. The next day, John saw Jesus coming toward him. And said, look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Jesus was the only sinless substitute found worthy to satisfy God's wrath against the sin that you and I committed. Can you imagine? I remember um, when I was younger, we had... We had a shop at the end of, of, of the, the street that we were living. And I remember going in and the woman would take her book out. And when people came and they were buying without money, she would write in her book. And she'd write under the person's name what they took. One loaf of bread or one bottle of oil or one can of milk or whatever they took. And they would say they would come and pay when they got paid. And there were situations I know where persons paid bill for somebody else. Someone came in and said, I am paying the debt. 
that that person took for the bread or the loaf that they took I am going to be paying for it and that's what Jesus did you run up your debt you rack up a debt you, you had a sin debt so big and Jesus came and he said I will pay the debt I will be the sacrifice and not only did he pay the debt for what you did he paid the debt for what you're doing you're going to do today and what you did this morning and he's going to pay the debt for what you will do in the future he paid all of that every future debt past and present debt Jesus paid Jesus paid a debt that I could not have paid that you could not have paid he took the punishment because the punishment and the way you pay that debt is by dying and Jesus did it. He took the punishment of death for our sins. He died a death that you and I should have died. To pay a debt that you and I were guilty of. And this morning, for those of us who have received him as our Lord. The freedom and the, that we have this morning could only be had because of what he did. In Romans 8, he said, there are now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. And so I'm realizing because of what Jesus did, this morning, all of what I did and that you did, there's no condemnation. In Genesis 3 verse 21 and in Genesis 4 verse 4 we saw when Adam sinned Jesus, God took the life of an animal as a sacrifice and he used the skin to make blood, to make clothing. So then one lamb was required to pay or was the atonement for one person. So he killed an animal and he made clothes for, for Adam and he killed one and he made clothes for, for for, for Eve. So one animal, one lamb per person for, for the atonement of sin. In Exodus 12 verse 30, uh, verse 3, I'm sorry, one lamb was required for a family. So you want to make the atonement of the sin of a family yearly atonement, you took one lamb for your entire family. In Leviticus 16 verse 15 to 16, it was then one lamb for a nation. So when the Israelites went before God, one lamb was sacrificed for the entire Israelites. But in John 1.29, what we just read, it was one lamb, the lamb of God. His body, his sacrifice was for the entire world. And what is great is that because he did it, there's no need for another lamb. His sacrifice was beyond today. It was for, 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 for eternity. For the children and the grandchildren and the great-grandchildren to be born. And when you think about it, if I had to go before the Lord each year with a lamb for me, imagine dragging a lamb wherever, every year, and knowing that by the time I make that sacrifice and by the time I reach back to where I'm going, I would have sinned in my thought life ready again to make another sacrifice. 
And according to Exodus, we will be drawing one for my family. So I'll be covering my family with one. About every year I would have to go up. But when Jesus did it, when Jesus became this, the Lamb, the Lamb of God, that takes away the sin of the entire world, there's no more need for sacrifice. Jesus is the only sinless substitute worthy to accomplish that. In verse 38, we see that Jesus is called the rabbi, the teacher, the master. When John spoke to his, his, his disciples, John the Baptist spoke, saw Jesus coming and he said to his disciples, look, the Lamb of God. His disciples wanted to know him and so they went and they said, Rabbi, teacher, master, where are you staying? In verse 41, Jesus is the Messiah, the Christ, the anointed one, the chosen one. As the Messiah, he fulfilled the roles of a prophet, a priest, and he fulfilled the role of a king. Can you believe that? So in the, in, 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 in the Old Testament, we had prophets, we had priests, and then we had the kings. But with Jesus coming as the Messiah, the anointed one, he fulfilled all the roles. He was able to take you before the, 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 the Father. He was able to, to forgive you for your sins. That's what the priest did. And he was able to rule and reign as the king of kings. In verse 49, Jesus is the son of God. Then Nathanael declared, Rabbi, you are the son of God. You are the king of Israel. John provides clear evidence that Jesus is the son of God. And that by believing in him, we may have eternal life. As the Son of God, Jesus has, was fully God, having divine nature. The title the Son of God is not biological. So when we think of Jesus being the Son of God, it was not because he is a biological Son of God. No. Being the Son of God it speaks about the unique relationship that Jesus has with God the Father. Jesus himself was God the same way God the Father is God. And therefore Jesus, as the Son of God, is the Lord over all the people of every nation. Jesus is God made manifested in, in human form. So Jesus is, is, is the Son of God and to be the Son of God, as we mentioned, he was divine in nature and he was fully God. Jesus was the king of Israel, again in verse 49. John said, he is the king of Israel. He is the son of God. In verse 51, John said, he is the son of man. This, he then added, I tell you the truth. You shall see heaven open and the angels of God ascending 
and descending on the Son of Man. This was Jesus' favorite designation of himself. Over 80 times, when I, when I went through the scriptures and looking, about 80 times Jesus mentioned, I am the Son of Man. I am the Son of Man. I am the Son of Man. As the Son of Man, it speaks to his humanity. It speaks to his human nature. So here it is, as the Son of God, Jesus was fully God, and as the Son of Man, he was fully man. Jesus had two natures. He was divine and he was human, yet he was one person. He is the person through whom access is received. He is the reality through which God and man would meet. So, so in Jesus embodies the, the, the person, the bridge, where for you to access God, you have to go through Jesus. And Jesus accesses, and God accesses us. Through Jesus. So imagine that bridge. God can clearly communicate with you and I through Jesus. And you and I can clearly communicate to God through Jesus. Jesus has all authority on heaven and he has authority on earth. Is there any other human being who claim they are God? Have the same authority that Jesus does? No. God became a human being and therefore Jesus the incarnate is the only perfect human being. He came in flesh and blood and he made his dwelling among us according to John 1, 14. Jesus shared in humanity, being like his brothers, he made himself nothing. He destroyed death and he now holds the power of death. He freed those who, are, who all their lives were held in slavery by the fear of death. Jesus, being the Son of Man, was, was free like you and I. He had human limitations like you and I. Think about it. He was tempted. He was hungry. He was thirsty. He mourned when Lazarus died. He was stressed to the place or to the point where his sweat became blood. Yet he remained focused on accomplishing what he came to do. His human experience made him able to sympathize with our weaknesses. And as I said that this morning, I go back again to my friend Caroline and thinking about our mother because she's our only child. And, and our close family members and friends out there are mourning this morning. Jesus understands and he can sympathize this morning. And so whatever you are going through, Jesus said, because I came in human flesh, I understand. I understand your weaknesses. I understand and that is why he's constantly before the Father day and night interceding for us. In the middle of his ministry, Jesus asked his disciples, Who do people say that I am? They replied, Some say John the Baptist, 
others say Elijah, and still others, one of the prophets. And we saw that this morning. When the onlookers asked, who is this? They said, Jesus the prophet. But Jesus gets a little closer, a little more personal with the disciples, and he says, so you have been around me. Who do you say that I am? And Peter was quick to say, you are the Messiah. And many persons today, like them, believe that Jesus is just a prophet. He's just a spiritual leader. He's a motivator. He's a teacher. And we may be more personal. He's our bill payer. He's our security. He's our insurance. He's our healer. He's our spouse finder. Whatever we desire him to be. But the way we see Jesus tells us how we treat him. And Jesus is saying to you and I this morning, who do you say that I am? It's a question that we must respond to. Because when Jesus came and died, he came and died and came and died first and foremost for us to know who he is. For, him to, for you to understand what he accomplished, we have to stop and say, this is who he is. John told us that he's everything, just in one chapter. He gave him ten different titles. He's the son of man. He's the lamb. He's the son of God. He, he's the king. He's the word. He's God. He's, he's the light. He's the vine. John alone gave us all of those. But this morning, I am asking you, who do you say that Jesus is? Is he a prophet to you? Is he just a bill payer? Is he your insurance? Is he just a healer? Who do you say that he is? Jesus is God made manifested. There was never a time that Jesus was not. He is the word that was in the beginning. He is the word that was with God. And he himself is God. Jesus is the image of the invisible God. He is the very nature of God, the radiance of God's glory. And the exact representation of Jesus, of God. Jesus is the faithful servant. And so when we stop and we think in our own mind, who do you say that I am? You must have an example. I, something must come to your mind. Who do you say that Jesus is? Who is he? Because whatever he, you think of him to be, that's exactly how you will treat him. And that you want, that's what you will look to him for. So if you look to him, if you see him as your God, you'll recognize that he has control over everything. And the song we sang this morning, and then you will withhold nothing. 
But if you see him as someone who meets your needs and he's only there to meet your needs when you need him to meet your needs, you're going to only see him that way. You're going to only treat him that way. If you treat him as a prophet, you'll only go to him when you need a word. If you treat him as a, see him as a healer, you'll only go to him when you're sick. So who is Jesus to you? Who is he? Who do you say that I am? Is the question Jesus is asking us this morning. Who do you say that I am? Am I your king? Am I the one who reigns over your life? Am I your priest, the one who can administer forgiveness only when you're needing it? Or am I your prophet, your priest, and your king combined? It's a question we need to ask ourselves and it's a question we need to answer. In looking at Jesus coming and dying, we must first know who he is. Who is Jesus to you this morning? Who is he to you this morning? To better understand who Jesus is, we have to get closer. We have to get closer to him. And so, Father, we thank you for your word this morning. We recognize, Father, to really and to truly know you. Lord, we first looked at what you claim, and you claim to be the Messiah. You claim to be God. You claim to be the light. You claim to be the truth. You claim to be the way maker. You claim to be the good shepherd. You claim to be the gate through which we go. The only way to the Father. But Lord, we recognize that we too have to see you in a particular way. We have to identify you in our lives. Who do you say that I am? And so, Father, we pray that we will stop this morning and think, who are you to us? Do we only come to you when we are in need? Do we only find the time? Or are you only our Sunday experience? Or are you an experience, God, that we desire to have every day? Father, our desire is to see you as our God. Our desire, Father God, is that our mindset will be see you as our way maker, the truth, our light, our life. Our Messiah, our King, our Prophet, our Priest, as our Shepherd. God, that in all in our life, you will be everything. And so, Father, we just give you thanks this morning for coming and dying. Lord, we know that you rose. You were triumphant. You, 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 you put death to shame. And so this morning we can say, Hosanna. 
in the highest. We can be excited this morning and we can say, Hosanna in the highest. Hosanna in the highest to the one who came. The one who did what we could not have done. And so, Father, we just thank you and bless your name. Amen. Amen. Thank you for the word, Lord. Thank you for your blessing. And as we listen to the, the teaching of who the Lord is, I was glancing through the Bible and I saw some examples of who Jesus is. It goes like this. In Genesis, he is the beginning, the seed of woman. In Exodus, he is the Passover lamb. In Leviticus, he is the high priest. In Numbers, he's a cloud by day and the fire by night. In Deuteronomy, he's a prophet like Moses. In Joshua, he is the captain of our salvation. In Judges, he is the judge and lawgiver. In Ruth, he is a kinsman redeemer. In First and Second Samuel, he is a prophet of the Lord, both priest and king. In Kings one and two, he is the reigning king. In First and Second Chronicles, he is the glorious temple. In Ezra. He is a faithful scribe. In Nehemiah, he is the rebuilder of walls. Those whose walls are broken down, he rebuilds. In Esther, he is the Mordecai to guide our lives. In Job, he is the suffering and the blessing that we should follow. In Psalms, he is our good shepherd. In Proverbs and Ecclesiastes, he is the wisdom of God. In Song of Solomon, he is the bride and the lover of our soul. In Isaiah, he is a suffering, suffering servant. In Jeremiah and Lamentations, he is the weeping prophet. In Ezekiel, he is the son of man. In Daniel, is the Son of Man coming on the clouds of heaven. In Hosea, he is the bridegroom. In Joel, he is the baptizer with the Holy Spirit. In Amos, he is the burden bearer. In Obadiah, he is the mighty savior. In Jonah, he is the forgiving God. In Micah, he is the messenger with the beautiful feet. In Nahum, he is the avenger of God, God's elect. In Habakkuk, he is the great evangelist crying for revival. In Zephaniah, he is the restorer of the remnant. In Haggai, he is the cleansing fountain. In Zechariah, he is the pierced son. In Malachi, he is a son of righteousness. In Matthew, 
he is the Messiah. In Mark, he is the miracle worker. In Luke, he is the son of man. In John, he is the son of God. In Acts, he is the ascended Lord. In Romans, he is the justifier. In 1st and 2nd Corinthians, he is the last Adam. In Galatians, he is the one that set us free. In Ephesians, he is the riches of our glory. In Philippians, he is the God who meets our every need. In Colossians, he is the fullness of the Godhead. In 1st and 2nd Thessalonians, he is the soon and coming King. In 1st and 2nd Timothy, he is the mediator between God and man. In Titus, he is the blessed hope. In Philemon, he is the, he's the friend that's closer than the brother. In Hebrews, he is the blood that washes away our sins. In James, he is the great physician. In 1st and 2nd Peter, he is a living stone and the chief shepherd. In 1st, 2nd, and 3rd John, he is the everlasting love. In Jude, he is the God of our Savior. In Revelations, he is the King of kings and the Lord of lords. So Father, we thank you again for being all of that to us in their scripture. We thank you again that you are everything to us. Lord, for those who don't know you, Lord, we pray that your Holy Spirit will be with them right now. Convict them of their sins. Transform their, their lives with your Holy Spirit. As we think about your death, burial, and resurrection. And Lord, we are so thankful that you came. Because if you did not come, we would not be here today. We've been living in sin forever and ever and ever and in, in, in eternity. And that is what hell is. Hell is a place where you are not present. And heaven is a place where you are present. So Lord, we want to be present with you in this life and the life to come. We know that death is not final. Death is a transition into your, into your goodness. But Lord, if we don't know you as Lord and Savior, we cannot enter. Because Lord, you say, I am the way. I am the life. No one can come to the Father except through me. So it doesn't matter what goodness we, we have been doing and continue to do on this earth. If he says to you, I do not know you. Depart from me. So Lord, we thank you for speaking to us. And Lord, we want to intercede for others who have not come into the relationship with you. As we have seen and heard that this life is short. We can be present today and be gone tomorrow. But Lord, we want to be in your will. So Lord, we thank you again for your word to us. As we are reminded of who you are in all situations. So that we have hope and we have love. Thank you for your love that you died for our sins. Thank you, Lord, for shedding your precious blood for our sake. We could not sacrifice anything that could be worthy. No goodness. I know some persons out there are thinking that they're good. They have the mindset that I'm, I'm good and my goodness will get me into heaven. The Lord said, no. All your goodness is like filthy rags. As we even saw in the news of the guy that they killed and, and all the people gathered. 
Everybody could talk about his goodness. But if he doesn't know he has Lord and Savior, all of that goodness is worthless. So Lord, we are beseeching those who are in the sound of our voices to come before it's too late. To come to bow your knees. As, as a lady called in on the prayer line, she said, please pray for Marcus and Demetrius that they will come to know you before it's too late. And Lord, we pray for her and we pray for her sons. She's crying out for help so that they too will come. So Lord, we bring them before you, Marcus and Demetrius, that you, you guys, you young men, the Lord call upon you when you are strong, will come into the kingdom. Come and recognize that God is good. And, and for us, that Lord, we will continue to, to represent you in everything that we do, wherever we are, at work, at play, in the grocery store, wherever we are, Lord, that persons are watching our lives. And Lord, we want to make sure that we are walking circumspect before you. Sometimes we are walking, thinking of your glory, thinking of your goodness. And so Lord, we thank you. May the love of God continue to abide in our hearts. Today and forever, as we walk as kings and priests before you. May your love continue to be in us, Lord, so that we can share with others who don't know you yet. May your presence be upon us, so as we walk, we will reflect your glory, without even knowing which lives we are touching. May our hands be continual anointed with your blood. May our, may our heads be the mind of Christ, thinking of how we can reflect Christ in this life. And may we always be giving thanks unto you. So as we leave today, the blessing of the Lord will be upon everybody. In Jesus' precious name. Amen and amen. Have a wonderful week. And if you need to reach us, you can email us at newhorizonmin at gmail.com Shout and dance to you yeah. For you have been my help from not to love us. Come on!